Good evening and welcome to the Dollar Dogs and Beer podcast. I am your host, Andrew, and with me tonight, as always, we have Jason and Joe. Gentlemen, how are you guys doing tonight? Yeah, doing good, doing good. Final week and a half sprint here. It's it's crazy to think that the marathon is over and the final sprint has begun. It, it feels like just yesterday that we started the season off, probably because it started late because of the stupid lockout. <laughs> Joe, how are you doing tonight, bud? Hey, I'm doing okay, man. Uh, you know, the Cubs made the chase to 63, and, uh, you know, brighter days are ahead. So, yeah. Yeah, you've got a lot of young talent ready to come up that looks really, really phenomenal. And even the guys they've brought up are already starting to produce. So, uh, you know, I, I said it last year during the trade deadline that I didn't think the Cubs would be down for an extended long rebuild. And it looks like uh, that prediction will hopefully, in your case, come to fruition. Yeah, the Cubs also said they'd be competitive this year. So, yeah, but we know better than to listen to Cubs management. Come on, Joe. <laughs> haven't haven't they cured you of that by now? Oh, of course. So, uh, Joe, what are you drinking tonight, bud? I am drinking uh, American Lager from Big Truck Farms Brewery. Um, nice and tasty, diff something different. Um, and I also have Miller Light with me too as a backup because. Screw Milwaukee. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. I, here, here, Joe. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing everything I can, Jason, to bring all the bad juju I can to the Brewers this week. So. <laughs> you, you can help by letting the Phils win in, in their uh, series this week. Hey, no problem, but no problem by me, man. I mean, <laughs> just take the forfeits. And we'll see. We'll see, man. <laughs> That's so bad. So bad. Jason, what are you drinking tonight? Um, just because I still have some of these left, I'm going with another Bud Light Seltzer Soda. Uh, this time around, it is the Cherry Cola, which is basically an alcoholic cherry Coke. It is fantastic. Yikes. It sounds delicious. Yikes. It's delicious and dangerous. I got nothing. <laughs> All right, for me tonight, from New Trail Brewing, I've got two tonight. Number one, a pumpkin ale, because it's that time of year. Zombies are people, too. Awesome can design, too. And also, for later, I've got a uh, another Oktoberfest, because uh, it's also, hey, October's almost here. we got to roll with this, guys. All right, so uh, moving into events from last week. Finally, Friday night, the long wait was over. Albert Pujols. Number 700, 22 years he played professional baseball. And not only did he get 700 that night, he hit two home runs. So he knocked off 699 and 700 all at once out in uh, Los Angeles, which I thought was fitting since he spent time there last year as well. Um, and his family still lives out there. So they were able to be in attendance to see number 700 live, which is just awesome. He is the fourth player in MLB history to hit the 700 club. Uh, Jim Edmonds said, uh, quote, if Albert doesn't get hurt and plays three quarters in Anaheim of how he played here, meaning St. Louis, we're talking about 800 or 850 home runs. When he first got back here, your brain is telling you what everyone is telling you. You can't hit righties anymore. You're swinging for the fences. Well, he's turned back into a pure hitter. Brad Lidge had a lot to say about this. Um, first of all, in the game-winning home run, he allowed to poo holes in the 05 NLCS, which is still one of the loudest home runs ever to go out of uh, – 
Houston outside of maybe Ozuna's last year. He said, quote, I made a mistake and it wasn't super surprising that he didn't make a mistake. Because remember, he opened that at bat up with a great slider that Albert just whiffed at. And then he left one middle cut that Albert crushed because that's what Albert does. All of a sudden, it started to feel like he knew what you were going to throw before you did. You felt like you had to be perfect. He had so much plate coverage, whether you're throwing a 97-mile-per-hour fastball or a slider down and away, you had to be perfect. If there's one thing I know from facing him, it's that he's going to win the chess match far more often than he should. And if the pitcher was able to execute a big breaking pitch, Pujols was adept at fouling the ball off to continue the at-bat. Or if the pitcher was doing something with his glove or his hands to tip off the identity of the next pitch, he'd be the first guy to see it. And uh, as we've heard from Albert's teammates over the years, he would very quickly tell all of them about it too. Greg Maddox said, the first time I faced him, I threw him a changeup that he missed by two or three feet. And I'm going, wow, okay, maybe we got something here. Next time I threw the exact same changeup, he hit it over freaking Waveland Avenue. And I went, oh shit, maybe they have something here. This guy's pretty good. If you walked him or gave up a single, you won the at-bat. He covered the middle of the plate as well as anyone. My game plan with him was to give up a single or less. Um, so, you know, high praise from guys that faced him, high praise from another Hall of Famer. You know, I, I, guys, I loved seeing the replays of that. Whole, like, he, no doubter, first of all, his former teammate hung him a slider right on the wrists that he was going to absolutely annihilate, no questions asked. And, um, he said after the game, you know, I need to make sure I say thank you to him because uh, he could he gave me the best gift he possibly could have with that hanging slider. And then, uh, you know, he circled the bases, ran over to, uh, was that Adrian Beltre I saw behind home plate, I believe? Yeah, g- gave Beltre, t- you know, high 10 through the uh, fence. And then, you know, just ran over to hug all of his teammates. Just such a touching moment. And, and so fitting because this happened in Los Angeles that the broadcasters just stayed silent for uh, close to a minute, if not a little more than that, to just soak the moment in. Um, You know, just like Vin Scully did with Hank Aaron when he broke Babe's record, you know, just let the silence, let the moment be the moment. I really appreciated that. Um, Guys, we've been watching this Pujols chase now, honestly, solid for the last two months because it's like, Oh my God, he might do it. He's getting hot. He might do it. And damn, he did it. What what did you guys think when it happened? Yeah, I mean, I was, we were thinking, I know at least I was saying earlier on the, in the podcast after the all-star break, because he, he started getting hot and it, it was one of those, I think he gets there, you know, he needs to average X number of home runs and he just kept hitting, having multi home run games, including the one that got the got him to the milestone. And I think the thing with Albert is he is just absolutely one of the best all-time hitters. Um, I mean, not only just from his home runs, but look at the RBIs. He's six away from, I believe, Babe Ruth. Like, so it, it's, it's just so much fun to watch. And I have to say I'm thankful that he did what he did against Brad Lidge because it sent Lidge over to Philly the next year and he had a perfect season and got the, and helped the Phillies win the world series. So uh, if that's what it took, I'm glad he did it. So, (laughs) Um, And let's face it. It really helps to go perfect when you have to face Albert Pujols less. 
that had to, that had to be a, oh, yeah. a definite positive contributing factor towards signing in Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, uh, I just checked six, six RBIs behind Babe Ruth. Definitely not outside of the realm of possibilities of tying or passing Babe before the end of the season, especially no. when he's hitting. Joe, Pujols has tormented your Cubs for years, but he's just been so good and such a classy guy. I mean, what what were you thinking when he broke the barrier? You know, I, I'm I'm excited for him. Like you said, he, he's tormented the Cubs, and that's well-documented. Um <laughs> You know, we, we documented that after they played their last series with the Cubs. Um, you know, I think he had – was what was it, 30 home runs against them? It was – or no, it was something astronomical, 50-something. Yeah, it was a lot. Um, 59, I think, and then 62 was, I think, Houston Astros um, as a club. So, I mean, the guy has – obviously beating the crap out of the Cubs, but I'm excited for him. It's, it's um, nice to see these kind of records get hit and nice to knock a rod down a peg or two. And um, you know, I'm happy for him. I'm excited for him. He was so much fun to watch as, as tough as he was on the Cubs. Oh, as tough as he was on everybody. He was just such a good, good player, good person, the whole nine yards. So um, we're, First of all, but as a slugger, where do you rank Pujols on the all-time list of sluggers? Uh, Joe, what do you? Where do you put him? I, I don't know. I mean, it's it, you know he's certainly the best of this generation, yeah. probably without a doubt. Um, you know, I, I think you know it. It's 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 hard to say with with you know with Ruth and Aaron and things like that. You're kind of you know, looking at their numbers, you didn't watch them play. Uh, um, obviously, those numbers are insane. So, uh, you know, he, he's obviously top three, top four from a slugging standpoint. Okay. Jason, where do you put him as a slugger all time? Yeah, I have him up in the top five. Um, I I was going back and forth as to whether or not I would have him in the top three and knock Barry Bonds down a bit um, with that whole ordeal. Um, because the impressive thing is that Albert has done this clean. So at, at least as far as we know, he's clean. So um, uh, he's definitely in the top five, um, probably closer to five, just because you, you do have hitters in there uh, like Griffey who – Aside from the home runs, he he did have a lot of the RBIs. So I, I you can make a case for quite a few people. Um, so I'll just have him right around top five. Yeah. Um, and keep in mind, he played through the Mitchell report. So I think if anything would have been out there, it would have come out a long time ago. I, yeah. I think it's very safe that we can say Albert Pujols played the game completely clean. Absolutely. Um, for me, I think I put him top three, top four for sluggers. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave Hank at number one all time, uh, and probably I go back and forth, but purely as a slugger, I go back and forth with um, with Ruth Bonds and uh, Pujols, where I'm putting them there. I think probably maybe Ruth Pujols Bonds, but I, you know, give me thirty seconds to think of something else, and I would probably be just as happy to switch that order anyway. So how about purely as a hitter, 
you know, slugging everything. Let's let's lump it all together. Where is Pujols all time for you guys, Jason? What do you think? Um, as far as just hits go, um, well, I mean, as his ability as a hitter, not just number of hits, like yeah, his overall ability as a hitter. Um, he's definitely to. And to me, like there is a difference between being a hitter and being a slugger. Um, your slugger is exactly why I separated the question. Yeah, because your slugger is more of your power hitter, and that's what I view him more as. So I would, as far as overall hitting, I would probably drop him down a good bit, um, just because you have players like uh, Ted Williams, uh, and even though he's banned from baseball, Pete Rose. Um, so I, I would drop him down a little bit more. Um, can't really give you a, a range, but okay. I, I I picture him more as, more as that slugger than a hitter. Okay. Joe? Yeah, I agree with Jason. It's, it's a, you know, a separate category when you think of even Ty Cobb, you think of DiMaggio, you think of, of Mantle and some of these other guys. It's obviously, as a, as a complete hitter, it's, yeah, you maybe top hundred, top fifty, maybe. Okay, I actually, to be honest, guys, I I have him as a top five, top ten all time hitter, because of his ability to cover the plate, because of his ability to hit to all fields. You know, he's driving in the RBIs. He's going to be number two or number three when his career ends. Um, you know, and actually, this is something else I didn't even think about with slugging. Um, which actually kind of makes me bump him up closer to that two spot for slugging. Hank Aaron and Albert Pujols are the only two guys in the 700 club who did it without hitting 50 plus in a season. So they had longevity for it as well, which I think is also a big point in Albert's favor as well. Uh, Let's face it for this generation of hitters. I can't think of anybody other than maybe Miggy who would be more feared than Pujols. And to be honest, I, I, that's probably a toss up for who's the more feared hitter. And of course, you know, when we look at these kind of things, we're always going to be skewed more towards the righties and the lefties. There's more right-handed hitters, you know, you know, they're just overall throughout the history of the game. Generally the right-handed hitters have been better because there's more of them. Um, Yeah. It's, it's, I didn't really, I, I, I'd say top five, top 10. I don't, I, I'm not sure exactly where I'd slot him in just yet, but He's without a doubt, he's one of the goats of the game. Maybe not the greatest of the goats, but he's very, very high up there in my book. And the fact that he's done all of this for so long, and he was injured a lot in Anaheim and was still able to do all of this despite that. I I put him up pretty high. All right, so we have one other home run chase that we're still watching who is actually uh, leading off in the sixth inning right now of his game. Uh, Jason, you want to talk about Aaron Judge? Yeah, so Aaron Judge hit number 60 last Tuesday, which was September 20th. He did it while uh, Roger Maris's sons, Roger Jr. Uh, you guys cut out on my end. Yeah, um, I think you cut out. I I still had me and Joe, but I lost you. Um, I think Can you, you guys were saying, see, hear me? His, Can you see me? I, yeah, I see you now. Um, you were saying about his sons being there. 
All right, I'll I'll take that until uh, Jason's able to hop back on. Um, uh, Roger Maris's sons were both in attendance at the game. Uh, Roger Jr. and Kevin. He is now tied with Babe Ruth at eighth all time in single season home runs. And um, this is what uh, Miguel Cabrera said on Aaron Judge's season and possibly taking the triple crown. Quote. Wow, what Aaron Judge is doing is incredible. It's so exciting to see what he is doing and the way he is absolutely dominating almost every offensive category this season. I think his season is going to be remembered as one of the best in baseball history. I hope that Judge can become the next Triple Crown winner, and I hope he wins the MVP. Um, so, Jason, now that you're back, because that was odd. I don't know what the heck happened. Yeah, um, yeah, not sure what happened there. Um, so, yeah, uh, basically, Miggy's hoping that he wins the MVP. I think he should. Yeah. Um, especially with what he's doing right now. So uh, the question here uh, for you guys is, is Judge your MVP without the Triple Crown? Um, what about if he doesn't hit 61? Is he still your MVP? I mean, I, I think he will. Um, he has a week and a half to hit one. So uh, uh, barring some slump that he has not had the entire season, he'll get there. Um, so paced for like 63 or 64, I think. Yeah. So, so with those things in mind, would he still be your MVP? Yeah. 100%. No questions asked. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, as you point out so eloquently, Jason, most valuable player to their team. And that's without a doubt, Aaron judge this year. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree completely because, Without him doing what he's doing, the Yankees don't win the division. The Yankees maybe get a wild card um, because his his war right now, I believe, is like seven or nine or it's something astronomical. Um, it was nine something the last time I looked. Let me yeah. just make sure that's accurate. Uh, 9.9. So, so let's round he's- that up to 10. So take away 10 wins and the Yankees are definitely not as good as they were. So um, yeah, I think he's absolutely the MVP. Um, Especially when I saw they were trying, I saw an ESPN stat. They were, I should have written it down, but they're trying to throw out these obscure stats about Otani with his pitching and um, sorry, my phone just kind of fell. I had it propped up here to uh, read off since my printer wasn't working. Um, But because if you have to go fishing for these crazy stats to try and make a case for somebody, they're not your MVP. Yeah. Um, I I know Otani. I I know one of them's like 10 plus wins and like 30 plus home runs. And I, now let me, I've got Otani pulled up here. He's not having a terrible season pitching, actually a very good season at 14 and eight record 247 ERA, which is fourth in the American league. Um, He has 203 strikeouts. So he passed the 200 mark, a 107 whip and a 212 average against, I mean, that those are very good numbers Yeah, and his offensive numbers are great as well, but, Look at what Judge has single-handedly been doing with the Yankees since the All-Star break, carrying a team that has literally forgotten, for the most part, how to win baseball games. Yeah. Um, so that kind of leads to something else here. 
Um, and it kind of re- relates a little bit back to Albert. So the fan who caught Albert's uh, number 700, he was approached immediately as fans usually are when something like this happens. He turned down every offer and left the stadium with the ball. He's keeping it for now. Most likely you're going to find it going up for auction soon because the yeah, person is going to get absolutely paid. Yeah. Um, so that leads to this question here. If you were to, and you can say, do it with either uh, Pujols or with Judge here. Um, if you were the one to catch either 700 or number 61, what would you do? Oh, damn. Uh, I think I would either – I could see myself just keeping the ball, getting it authenticated, putting it in a clear case and vacuum sealing that SOB so nothing ever happens to it. I wouldn't ask for money. I would want like an autograph, another autograph ball or an autograph bat or something like that um, instead of money. Or even an autographed picture picture with the player. Um, I, I could certainly understand people wanting money. Um, you know, when my wife hears how much this ball will eventually sell for, she'll probably look at me and say, "You wouldn't sell that and give us that much money? Are you insane?" Yes, I probably am. I'm a baseball fan. I'm clearly at least partially insane, aren't we all? But uh, to be honest, I. No, something like that. That's more about history than it is about money to me. What do you think, Joe? I'm giving it to the player and moving on with my life. Just um, giving it back, not asking for anything in return? No, I, I mean, it, 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 it means so much more to them than it ever will to me. Um, I mean, money obviously is, is a wonderful thing, but, you know, if if the you know the athlete would let me get a picture with them or something or you know snap a selfie with it before I turn it in you know something like that, but I, I'm not looking to you know collect on it. I'm not looking for anything major. I it would mean a lot more to them to have than it would for me to have. I think. Yeah, good points. What about you, Jason? So you're offered almost a million dollars. To give a ball back. Give it to the player or to sell it to an auction house? Either. I I mean yeah. my, my my personal thought is I would I would find a way to give it to the player directly and not ask for anything. Okay. So for me, I, I'm torn about this as well. I go back and forth. For me, it might depend on the situation. Um what is it that I have? If I have number 61, 61's been broken multiple times. So for that one, I'm thinking, okay, maybe give it give it back or ask for a couple autographs, picture, whatever. Um, for something like 700, money talks at times. Like... I, it's, and I go back to what Albert said with 700. He says, you know, the balls that are hidden to the stands are souvenirs. The fan has 
every right to keep it, you know, good for them. And he, he, Albert said the right thing by saying, I'm not about the material possessions as, as far as wanting that ball back. And I think, I think it's different. Like if he doesn't hit one for the rest of the season, maybe he tries to get it back from the fan, but he might try and see if he can get whatever his last home run ball is, whether it's 701, 02, 03, whatever. Um, but for me, I'm thinking it, it's a ball hit into the stands. Fortunate enough to catch it. It's like hitting the lottery without playing the lottery. So I personally, I, I would probably see what it would get at auction or even instead of going to auction, reach out to the, get, reach out to the player, be like, Hey, what is this worth to you? Um, I mean, if, if you think about it, Albert Pujols has made over $637 million playing baseball. He can probably help set you up for, for the, a good while. So um, Jason Lee rushing off over from the uh, earnestly network. He said he would keep the ball forever and possibly sell it when you're on your deathbed. Um, I certainly understand that. Um, yeah. And uh, Jason, he's got a question for you. 61 isn't anything. Needs 62 and breaks Maris, an all-time American League home run record. My question to you now is 62. Homer's a season harder now than getting 700 home run, getting 700 for a lifetime. What do you think? I think with the baseballs that we're seeing, I think it's going to be easier to see 62 and and numbers hit more than getting to the career numbers because to get that high in your career, you have to have the longevity without the injuries. Um, Albert got injured late, but he was able to come back. I mean, look at uh, to bring a different sport into this. Look at hockey and Alex Ovechkin trying to get the t- trying to get to Wayne Gretzky's record. He may get there. He still needs a good bit of help, and he needs to make sure he stays healthy from here on out. But injuries rack up, so I think it's easier to get to 62, 63-plus than, than it would be for career. Yeah, I, 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 I'd I, have to look. Um, I don't know how close anybody else even is to reaching the 700 um, – just pull that up quick. And the other thing to look at here, if you think about it, um, there's been four people in the entirety of baseball history to get to 700. Um, Now, I know it's not that much more, but I believe it's, what, five people to get to 61 or more. You have Maris, Bonds, uh, you'll have Judge, and then you have the chase with um, McGuire and Sosa because Sosa also got there. So that judge would be the fifth person. Um, so for active players after Albert, the next active guy is uh, Miggy at 27 and then Nelson Cruz at 39. And beyond that, you're looking at Stanton all the way down at 79. He's only at 375. Okay, I was I was wondering what number yeah. you were trying to recite with twenty nine and uh, rank overall all time. Uh, Cruz has four fifty nine and Miggy's got five oh six. So yeah, it's you know 
the only the only guy I would say who's young enough to have a reasonable chance if he could stay healthy, this is the hard part, would be Mike Trout, who's 99th all-time at 347. But as we've seen with Trout, staying healthy, uh, not his forte. And he has that back issue now that's going to be with him throughout the rest of his career. So I, th- I think his career longevity has already significantly decreased. Yeah. Um, and uh, Jason uh, Albert played for 22 years. The most home runs he ever had in a season was 47. Like I said earlier, he and Hank Aaron are the only two players in the 700 club to never hit 50 plus in a season. Yeah. All yeah. right. So, uh, I so love home can, races like this. Yeah. And uh, if there's nothing else, I can. I can keep us going with uh, some down on the farm stuff. Yeah, go for it. Which um, down the farm, there's not a whole lot to really go over because the uh, minor league season is in their playoffs now. Um, So uh, just a quick touch here um, for Joe. So Matt Mervis, there's a name uh, for He's in the Cubs system. He has a slash line for this season of 309, 380, 606, 986. He has 35 home runs, 117 RBI, 39 doubles, and two triples. That alone is impressive. What's even more impressive is he did it across three levels. He started at high A, and he ended his season in AAA Iowa. So that is a name to absolutely keep an eye on here for the Cubs over the next uh, year or two, um, because it's very possible that you will be seeing much more of Matt Mervis soon. Sounds like a good guy to consider as a fantasy keeper down the road as well. If you're lucky yeah. enough to grab him late as a flyer. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, Joe, do you have any thoughts on, on Matt Mervis before I move on with some other things for the minor leagues? Did we lose Joe? Uh, Joe's muted. Uh, maybe we did. Hold on. I think I've got two Joes. Which is the real Joe? That's the real Joe. All right, let me get rid of the fake Joe. <laughs> so, Joe, I just went over Matt Mervis's stats and everything and how he started at high A and made it all the way up to triple A. And he's one to keep kind of keep an eye on here in the future. Um, before I move on to more minor league stuff, do you have any anything on Matt Mervis you wanted to share? Um, he's at 36 homers now. He had another one tonight. Um, it, it gives you some excitement about, um, you know, there was a lot of regret about not keeping Rizzo and all the turnover with uh, Schwindel and everything um, and Rivas. And so kind of gives you some encouragement about first base going forward. Yeah. Um, So with the, with the uh, minor league seasons kind of winding down here, just uh, some playoff updates for you all in the triple a, uh, there's two divisions or two leagues there. You have the Pacific Coast League and the International League. In the Pacific Coast League, you have the El Paso Chihuahuas uh, from the San Diego Padres playing the Reno Aces in the Diamondback system for the Pacific Coast title. 
And then in the International League, which is the one that the Live Valley Iron Pigs are in, you know, the one that we would probably see more of. It is uh, TBA at the moment as far as the second group, second team. Uh, but Andrew, the Nashville Sounds, uh, from the the team that you went and saw a game at um, from year. the yeah last year, the Milwaukee Brewers, um, they are in the International League Championship. And then basically the winner of those two leagues will actually be playing each other for the AAA Championship. Well, that's uh, pretty cool. The, I didn't know they did that. I didn't either until I was looking that up. So that's pretty, pretty sweet. Um, Like like I said last year, if you ever get a chance, you're down in Nashville, the sounds are home, check out a game. It it is a beautiful stadium uh, near the river. They've got a big old guitar out in right center field. That's a scoreboard. It's such a neat experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, the fans down there are pretty knowledgeable too. So, you know, you'll have a good time down there. Nice. Yeah. Then uh, double A, uh, the season it is winding down there um, in the Eastern League, which is the one that we're more familiar with, with uh, Reading and um, things like that. The uh, former Atlantic League, now Double A Eastern League, Somerset Patriots from the Yankees are playing the Erie Sea Wolves, uh, the affiliate for the Detroit Tigers, in the Eastern League Championship. In the Southern League, you have. The Chicago Cubs affiliate, Tennessee Smokies, playing the Marlins uh, affiliate, the Pensacola Blue Wahoos. And then Wahoo. in the te- <laughs> yeah, and then in the Texas League, Wichita Wind Surge is playing the Frisco Rough Riders, and that is Wichita's Minnesota, and Frisco is the Texas Rangers. So some some playoff series there wrapping up. Um, be interested to see who wins those. And then one more playoff update here. We have to talk about our Atlantic League guys, the Lancaster Barnstormers. So uh, for those of you not familiar, the Atlantic League is an independent league. They're not minor league baseball affiliated, affiliated, but they are affiliated with Major League Baseball in that they test out rules uh, and changes that MLB is looking to implement. So the pitch clock that's coming out next year, the uh, uh, the lack of a shift, the bigger bases, that all started by being tested in the Atlantic League. And our hometown team, the Lancaster Barnstormers, they ended up defeating the Southern Maryland Blue Crabs, who had a record-setting season, especially with their first half. Uh, they The Stormers won in five games. They lost game one, two to one. Won game two, eight, seven, and ten innings with a four-run ninth to tie it up. They lost game three, seven to three, but they won the last two in dominating fashion, 15-5 and 10 to 2. So they they are the North Division champions playing for their third Atlantic League championship, their first since 2014. Um, which I was at the clinching game for that, and it was a uh walk-off home run to win it, which was spectacular, even though it was pouring. It was so bad weather-wise. And they will face the High Point Rockers, who was the wildcard team this year because the team that they played, the Gastonia Honey Hunters, they ended up winning both halves. So uh, the Rockers got the wildcard, and they won in five as well. And that is a 
big surprise because Gastonia was the top team in the entire league for the for basically the whole season. So Stormers versus Rockers. Uh, games one and two are in High Point. Games three and then four and five are, if necessary, will be in Lancaster. And I believe uh, it's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday as far as three, four, and five are concerned for us. So go Stormers. Code Red, bring it home. Yeah, absolutely. It's been way too long since we had that title in Lancaster. So <laughs> I'd love to see them bring it back again. All right, uh, next up. Joe, uh, how about release the good with the uh, Clemente Award nominees? Yeah, so um, most of, I mean, I don't have too many, obviously, big memories of Clemente. My biggest first first real knowledge about Roberto Clemente was dying in a plane crash doing humanitarian work in Nicaragua. So, I mean, I think I, I, I really enjoy the fact that he was such a guy who gets it. We've talked about that a lot with release to good over the last few weeks. Uh, players that get it. Um, the Roberto Clemente Award, it's for players who best represent uh, the game of baseball through their character, community involvement, and charity work um, off on and off the field. Um, a couple of guys throughout the league who are nominated for this, um, Joey Votto, Tony Kemp, uh, Bedner from the Pirates, uh, Deekman for the Red Sox, Jason Hayward for the Cubs. Um, but a couple of guys I wanted to highlight, um, Dylan Tate with the Orioles uh, does a lot of work with what's called his foundation is baseball academia, uh, where he aims to teach children and young athletes lessons on personal development and how to improve their skills on and off the field. Uh, so he's making a huge difference. Um, you know, he, he's hosted more than 100 athletes at the ballpark this year um and you know there's uh, some other visits scheduled there but he you know is making a big difference he made a personal contribution to austin hayes's fundraising project for mental health awareness this year um and uh pushing the total raise to more than twelve thousand dollars so a couple of guys in baltimore doing some good work in that regard um the other one uh, is uh, Josh Rojas from the Diamondbacks, uh, Phoenix, Arizona native. So he's, you know, eat, sleep, and breathe Phoenix and Arizona and that that culture and that life. Um, so he's making a, a, a huge impact for his community too um, in the West Valley there in in, um, in Arizona. Uh, in the town is Buckeye where he played as a kid. He offers free camps and clinics all the time. He buys equipment for the high school baseball team um, every year, um, offers college scholarships to student athletes in the area. Um, at an event in the, the Diamondbacks evening on the Diamond Gala this year, um, $120,000 was raised to support youth baseball and scholarships. Um, and and, and it's, it's just really, you know, interesting to see some what some of these guys are doing um and then the other one uh, for the braves uh tyler matzik um was the braves nominee um he does a lot of work with mental health um and awareness and and uh you know promoting taking care of things ex with anxiety and depression uh tyler committed to creating the strike out the stigma campaign 
he donates $250 for every strikeout this year uh, with the goal of rating, raising $30,000. So uh, a hat tip to, to guys making a difference in their communities. Um, guys who just, who just get it as we, as we say, get it that the game is bigger than, than them. Um, so a hat tip to all of those guys for their individual clubs, but I particularly wanted to highlight those three guys for making big differences where they're at. Absolutely. And uh, one thing that really hits home with Mad Six, um, he was originally a first round draft pick by the Rockies and he got the yips basically in the minors. He could not get out of his head, um, actually left baseball for a while, seek mental health counseling and whatnot, decided to give it another go. And um, honestly, he's one of my favorite success stories that the Braves at the Braves have had over the last couple of years. You know, seeing a guy literally dig his way back from rock bottom to get back to the top of his game and to even at times be completely dominant, as we saw in the late postseason last year, where he wasn't letting anything out past him. Um, you know, I and it it emphasizes, too, that mental health is something that this country needs to take much more seriously. We need more resources for it. We need more professionals to help with it. So. You know, I just, you know, I hope that there are more charities like this out there from players. And I really hope that it does continue to make a positive impact on the communities as well. All right. So uh, moving on, uh, we have our uh, weekly playoff updates since uh, we are getting very, very close to the end. We're down to the last three series, which is crazy to think about. If the season ended today, AL is looking as such, Astros 1, Yankees 2, Guardians 3, Blue Jays 4, Rays 5, Mariners 6. So the wild card round would be Rays Blue Jays and Mariners Guardians. The Astros would take the winner of Rays Jays. Yankees would get the winner of Mariners and Guardians. In the National League, it is Dodgers 1, Mets 2, Cardinals 3, Braves 4, Padres 5, Phillies 6. It would be Braves Padres in the wild card round and Cardinals Phillies. The Dodgers would get the winner of the Braves and Padres. The Mets would get the winner of the Cardinals and the Phillies. So berths that have been clinched so far. The Dodgers have clinched the NL West in the number one overall seed. The Astros have clinched the AL West. The Mets have clinched a playoff berth, which is which they actually clinched on Max Scherzer's 200th career win. So a congratulations to Mad Max on that. Please don't win this week in Atlanta. It will be their first playoff appearance since 2016. Wow, it really has been a while. No wonder Mets fans are getting so antsy. Um, the Braves clinched a playoff berth, and they have also clinched that whoever loses the NL East will um, hold the top wild card spot. The Yankees clinched their playoff berth. Uh, they should have the division wrapped up shortly, I would think. The Guardians have clinched the AL Central. That's their first division title since 2018. Um, some races to watch. The NL East, the Braves and the Mets will play later this week, which will likely determine the division winner. Um, remaining games, the Braves are actually on the road for most of the end. Three at the Nats, three home versus the Mets, three at the Marlins. Um, and one thing, guys, I didn't even think about, uh, with Hurricane Ian coming in, that's scheduled to start hitting Florida right about the time that series rolls in. So we could be seeing some crazy weather-related shifts coming up uh, towards the end of this week for some teams. And then the Mets, they have a slightly easier, more home-based schedule, two versus the Marlins, three at the Braves, three versus the Nets. In the wild card race, the loser of the AL East, like I said, they already clinched the top wild card spot. Here's the thing. 
Five and six and seven are extremely close. The Padres are only a game and a half up on the Phillies, who are only a game and a half up over the Brewers. Now, technically, the Giants aren't eliminated yet, but they're eight and a half out, so I'm not really factoring the Giants into anything, and nobody should. Now, something new this year, we are not going to have any game 163s. If there are tiebreakers, we have tiebreaker criterion. I don't really like this. I was, I'm so mad now, especially that we didn't get that max chaos theory that we were hoping for last year, especially now that it's all gone. So looking at the tiebreakers in the NL, the, um, the Brewers have nothing. So the Brewers have to pass San Diego and or Philadelphia to get into the wild card. And Philadelphia holds the tiebreaker over San Diego. So if they end up tied, Philly will jump up and then play um, Atlanta or the Mets, whoever takes the top wild card. So looking at games remaining, the Padres, three versus the Dodgers, three versus the White Sox, three versus the Giants. The Phillies have a ton of games left, three at the Cubs, four at the Nats, the doubleheader Saturday, and three at the Astros. You know, Jason, that doesn't actually look as bad as it initially did, though, because the Astros are probably going to be resting for most of that series. So that's good, at least. Um, And then the... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and and I think... The big thing for them is also the fact that they have the tiebreaker over both the Padres and the Brewers, um, because essentially that takes that one and a half game lead and makes it a two and a half game lead. Um, so it's, I'm, I'm still very anxious about the final week, um, but I did see a stat. It's a stat that absolutely could happen. Um, I'm hoping that it doesn't, but if the Phillies go five, Phillies go five and five, so they end up 500 on this road trip. The Brewers would have to go seven and two in order to pass the Phillies. And That's, here's one thing that hurts the Brewers: the Cardinals haven't clinched yet, so that the Cardinals will be throwing everything at them in that two-game mini series. Right, the Cardinals can clinch with a win. I believe their magic number is two. So um, it's it's one of those I, I'm really, really pulling for for the Cardinals to clean up on the Brewers this week, get those two losses out, um, because that makes it uh, the magic number, I believe, is eight. So that would make it six combined with with a couple Phillies wins and they're fine. So. I'm still anxious because the Phils have not played the best on the road, but they do have the teams that you want to play on the road, um, especially Washington. So um, they need to take care of business. Yeah, absolutely. And then the Brewers, like I said, two versus the Cardinals, four versus the Marlins, three versus the Diamondbacks. So they're home the rest of the way out, but uh, outside the Cardinals, it's not a – world killing schedule although as us nl east guys know the marlins are always a wild card as to what's going to show up for them yeah and the thing here is the odds are not great for a sweep um if the cardinals win both of these games in that short series it's really going to put a lot of pressure on the brewers to to essentially almost win out well, and you know what? They got exposed over the weekends with the Reds on Sunday. They had a one nothing lead for most of that game and then gave up too late and couldn't come back. Also, um, 
did you guys realize the Reds leader in saves has nine saves? He hasn't even hit double digits. Yikes. Um, but uh, like that's a game Milwaukee could not afford to drop, and they did. So I, you know, I just like like I said last week. My brother's a Cubs fan, has been for years and years and years. And if I learned anything of value from Alex, it's that you'd never trust the Brewers. And what did we point out last year in the playoffs? What did we point out over the offseason? What did we point out at the beginning of the season? They didn't address the fact that they have so little offense. They're running on pitching alone. And while pitching wins championships, you still need some offense to come through every now and then because you shouldn't be losing two-to-one games against the Reds who have an absolutely atrocious team ERA. Um, hey, Ronnie's on tonight. So his first Bryce Harper home run in person. It was awesome. Stadium was going nuts. Ronnie, which game was that? Uh, I'm assuming it was one of the Braves games. He was there Saturday. Saturday. Nice. Yeah, I was, um, and I'll get into this later. I was at half, a third of the game on Sunday um, with that weird rain delay. We'll get into that yeah. later, though. Um, the I thi- uh, just wanted to touch quickly again on, with the Brewers and the and the Phillies race, I'm kind of leaving the Padres out of it because the Padres are looking overall like they're going to be one of the wild card teams. Um, but basically, the the Phils what I what I'd like to see them do in, in any short series, especially on the road, split with the Cubs. Ideally, getting taking or I'm sorry, it's a three game series. Um, win the series against the Cubs um, don't need a sweep, but take two there and then take three of the four. So you're then sitting. Okay. Basically win the series that you have the, the rest of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're not playing outside of the Astros. And like I said, the Astros probably won't be playing most starters. You're not playing heavy hitting teams to end the season. So you got it. This is the time to uh, put up or shut up and win the games you're supposed to win. All right, the AL East, likely the Yankees to lose at this point. The Blue Jays are eight and a half games behind them, so that's probably safe. I know the Yankees haven't been playing great, but they should be okay. Now, the AL wildcard, nobody has clinched anything yet, and this is extremely close. This is going to be a race to watch the whole way out. Uh, The Blue Jays have a two-game lead over the Rays and a a two-and-a-half game lead on the Mariners who are, of course, a half game behind the Rays. Orioles are definitely still in this fight, guys. They're only four games back. Mathematically speaking, the White Sox and Twins are still in the hunt, but are seven and a half and nine and a half games back. So uh, we're going to discount that as well, because uh, coming into games tonight, they were on six-game losing streak with the White Sox, and the Twins are on a one game, but they're two and eight in their last ten. So they're about as cold as it is possible to be right now. I think it is very, very, very safe to say that uh, we can pretty much ignore them. So looking at the tiebreakers, the Mariners have a tiebreaker over the Blue Jays, but they lose to the Rays. Tampa has the tiebreaker over the Blue Jays because they uh, split the last series, so Tampa took the overall season series. So here's what we have going the rest of the way out. Blue Jays 3 versus the Yankees, 3 versus the Red Sox, 3 at the Orioles. That's going to be huge. That last series between the Orioles and the Blue Jays is going to be huge. The Rays, three at the Guardians, three at the Astros, three at the Red Sox. That actually bodes well for them because the Red Sox are eliminated. Guardians clinched. The Astros have clinched. And by the time the Astros series rolls around, they should have top record clinched. 
So that's probably going to be pretty safe there. That it's, They're not going to be facing the worst of the worst. Now the Mariners, and they have been in a horrible slump lately. It seems like they can't get anything going. But if you can't get anything going, three versus the Rangers, three versus the A's, and four versus the Tigers, you can't get much better than that to close out your season. So we'll see if the Mariners can hold on. And the Orioles, four at the Red Sox, three at the Yankees. Then they get the Blue Jays at home for that last series. So even, here's the thing, guys, even if Baltimore gets eliminated, Baltimore will still be a big player of things to come because they could basically say, oh, you knocked us out of the wild card. Okay, screw you. We're going to mess with you too. And I am all on board for that, although I'm not going to lie. I'm really pulling hard for the Orioles. I want to see them get back to the playoffs. I would really love to see the Orioles uh, move on, play the Astros, and beat up the Astros just to – Stick it to the Angelos. They never should have traded Trey Mancini. Although I know how incredibly unlikely that is. Yes, I'm aware of that before we uh, delve into those numbers. <laughs> so, uh, guys, this is going to be a hell of a week and a half to uh, end the season. Uh, what are you guys thinking? I mean, Braves-Mets, that's going to be a huge series if the rain doesn't screw anything up there, which, let's face it, it probably will. It's that time of the year and that the Southern United States gets very, very affected by hurricane activity. Um, you know, the, the NL wild card and the AL wild card, I, these are, you know, I, I'm still not wild about the third wild card because I don't like so many teams in, but these are definitely leading to some very fun and interesting races to watch down the stretch. Right now. I'm very thankful for the third wild card. Understandable. <laughs> Although I, I you could catch San Diego. Oh, I agree. I agree. Especially if um, the Dodgers, while the Dodgers will probably be resting, they they may want to play spoiler uh, against the, the Padres. So That would be a 100% Dodger thing to do to the Padres. Let's be realistic here. Oh, yeah. Joe, I know you're out, but, you know, the Cubbies are out, but there's still a lot of intrigue here. What are you most looking forward to in the uh, last of these playoff chases as they wind down? I think the teams are fairly set. I think it's just a matter of letting it play out at this point. Um, You know, I don't – we said this a few weeks ago. We felt like that Milwaukee one one and a half or two games back felt like six. Um, the way that they were not playing. And it's it's come to, to bear, I think. I feel like that one-and-a-half game lead, like you like you said, Jason, it's two-and-a-half, but it feels like more than that. Um, you know, the, the Padres are kind of squeaking in. Do they really deserve to be there? Eh. I mean, they're ahead right now, but I think, you know, I, you know, I, I think if, if Harper's not hurt for an extended period of time, the Phillies are in that spot locked in at this point. Um, yeah. And and the thing with Harper is he's also been struggling in the month of September. He's batting under 200 in September. So if he, he started finding it uh, near the end of the brave season, uh, series, if he can, if he can do that, the rest of this regular season, he and Schwarber, they they can put the team on their back and, and carry them to the playoffs. Yeah, of course he would, you know, start to pick that up during the Braves series because, of course, he would. But, yeah, um, 
And uh, not not going to lie, Jason, from what I saw, I, I didn't see anything wrong with Harper's swing or anything else. It, it looked fine. Bat was loud. Um, so, yeah, I don't think you need to worry about him. I think he'll be fine. Yeah, it was, it's been more of the plate discipline at the moment. He, he had been swinging at things he usually doesn't swing at and um, just easy to get his eye back on. I think, you know, and I think that comes from what he had to do for, on his MVP season last year and carry that team. But he doesn't quite have to carry the team as badly as he did. Well, he still has to carry a lot of that team, but he doesn't have to carry nearly as much as he needed to last year. Let's face it. And uh, is Castellanos coming back in the regular season? Tomorrow night. Okay. So that'll help too to get another bat in there to give Bryce a break. Yeah, Andrew, also, I'm curious what you think about this the Mets series. I think do you think they go ahead and get ahead of it and move it? I they can't it somewhere neutral. The, oh, oh, oh location. Uh yeah. they could move location. I it's it's premature to say that right now. I, I'm I'm sure if they're gonna do that, that's gonna be a very last minute decision to move that. Um, I'm just trying to think of where they would move that to. Um, I mean, they, you, I'm, sure there's, a, the I'm sure there's a park somewhere down there you could put it yeah. to. They would probably have to go west or yeah. northwest because the hurricane's going to come up a bit. Plus, you have a lot of teams are home. Um, the Nationals are home later this week uh, against the Phil, so it's not like they can just go to Nationals Park and have the Nationals play on the road. Right. And let's let let's face it, Atlanta would not would not play in National Stadium and give the Mets a chance at a home field advantage. They would right. They would definitely. I, honestly, Jason, I think they would say let's go play in Nashville before they would say let's go play in Washington mm-hmm. in a smaller stadium. Uh, are the Rangers home? No, the Rangers are in, um, uh, the Rangers are up in, uh, Seattle. So that's a possibility. They could go to Texas. Um, here's the thing too. I mean, this is, I, I know the stadium's not set up for it, but the Falcons might be willing to let them use the Benz dome and reconfigure it slightly to make it baseball appropriate for three games. Um, one one thing about the city of Atlanta, those sports teams all have each other's backs. Um, social media, they're all very active, rooting for each other, backing each other up. A lot of the athletes mingle, co-mingle, you know, outside of sports. So I could I could even see something like that happening. Although, like I said, the Mercedes-Benz Dome is not set up for baseball. So I, I don't know about the logistics of making that happen. Well, well so that's and if you're not going to be able to play it at Truist, then you probably shouldn't play it in the city of Atlanta. Yeah, uh, well, you could. It 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 just if it's just rain and it's not flooding rains, you know that's different than you know when we had to evacuate New Orleans because Katrina was rolling through. Yeah, and and that stadium is it's designed only for football and concerts. Yeah. Like they they don't have the actual room to build a, ba- a ballpark in there because of the stands okay. and uh, the shape of everything. So that, right. that's it's not built with modular stands that you can move around. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so I think, I think if anything, you'll see them, I, I think you may see them go to Texas. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's my guess. Rangers, Astros, something like that, um, because that's also still close enough for Atlanta fans to be able to get to easily enough. It's you know it's a bit more of a hassle, but yeah. Um, and the Astros are just about home for the rest of their season because they're home later this week against the Rays and then home against the Phils next week. So, okay, so it'll probably be the Rangers. Then. It'll probably be the Rangers. Okay, uh, it could be worse. That's a beautiful ballpark. Um. So it's truest, but, um, you know, when we were watching during the uh, shortened season because of the pandemic and all of the playoff games were held or most of them were held out there, it was a beautiful ballpark for it. So, um, yeah. hey, I'd be okay with that if that's uh, what would happen. I'd prefer it to be in Atlanta, but you know what? If it can't happen, it can't happen. You know, it. we're at the point in the season where you can't just move the series. It's got to be played. And Atlanta will absolutely not say yes to moving the series to New York. No way in hell will that ever happen. No, so. no, no, and I don't think baseball would ask them to do that. I think it's yeah, somewhere within their footprint is is where it's going to stay. But yeah. it's just a matter of whether it's played or not. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to be. There is a lot to watch later this week. Um, I am going to be. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be watching weather reports. You know, Ronnie. Honestly, I would. To be honest, man, I wouldn't be upset if they played in Philly because I could go see some of those games. Um, and the Braves play pretty well in Philadelphia, honestly. Uh, Matt Olson, although he didn't hit a home run when I was there on Sunday, came really close. Um, maybe that would be enough to get Olson re-sparked and going again because, God, he's been cold as ice for the last three and a half, four weeks. He's been worse than Harper. Yeah, yeah and, and the thing for for this is is it possible that the Mets have the series locked up before this weekend uh, I'm not entirely sure what their magic number is because look. Say, say the Mets clinch the division there's going to be no movement between the Mets and the Braves in their positioning it's possible that they just say forget the series yeah, because it, it wouldn't make a difference in the wild card. Uh, I'm pulling up what the magic number is. Uh, let's see here. Da, 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 da. Where is it? Here we go. Nope, not the Blue Jays. Keep going. Keep going. Stop putting American League teams first, please. National League's better. Okay. Uh, no, magic number is eight. So yeah, they so. cannot clinch before the series. Okay. So it's going to have to be played. Now, if the Mets win game one and clinch uh, and the weather starts to turn, um, I could see both teams saying, let's just cancel it because it doesn't matter. I could absolutely see that. Um, you know, both teams are not going to uh, say no to the chance to rest pitchers late in September going into the playoffs. So, like I said, first top wild cards locked up for whichever team loses the division. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a good thought, Jason. Here's the thing, too. The Braves need to sweep the Mets to take the tiebreaker because the Mets hold a two-game lead in the season series head-to-head. So the Braves could still win the series but not have the tiebreaker. So that's also one thing that they have to consider as well. So, yeah, there's going to be – I got to tell you, I, I'm glad I'm not the MLB guy in charge of logistics right now because I'm looking at the weather forecast, the division runs, and, every, and I'm going, oh, this could either be 
a breeze, no pun intended, for the uh, countries that have already gotten wrecked by this hurricane, or my next week and a half is going to be holy hell and I'm not going to sleep and I'm going to be living off Red Bull and Monster. So, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Um, all right, so... Here, Jason, why don't we why don't we jump this around a little bit? Let's talk about the Phillies first, and then yeah. uh, we'll team up on the Braves Phillies series. Cool. Yeah. So, not the best week for the Phillies. Not the worst week for the Phillies. Basically, they did what they need to do the rest of the season, which is play 500 ball. Uh, had a short two game series at home against the Blue Jays. This was their final homestand of the regular season. Six games. Lost game one, 18 11. Uh, Bounce back in one game, two, four, three, and ten innings. And then we get to the Braves series. Um, and game one was just a phenomenal pitching duel by both teams here and ended up being a one nothing win for the Phils with a sacrifice fly being the deciding run in the second inning. Um, Phils then uh, got to Odorizzi this time around and won nine to one in game two. And then uh, I'll let you start taking over. Uh, I'll just do the scores here, and, and you can talk about your game then later. Um, they did end up with a split against the Braves. They lost the last two games, 6-3 and 8-7 and 11. Um, and uh, basically just a couple thoughts here. It's about what I expected. It's essentially what I was hoping for. I mean, of course, you always want more. But anytime you can split a short series against a good team and split a series against a good team, you take it. Um, so wish they would have gotten that last one because I I'm not a fan of them waiting two hours yesterday to play the, the final game. Um, it would have been an official game. It would have been a 6-5 Phillies win. Um, I I just I don't see why the grounds crew was like, yeah, let's play. Um, because I don't I think it was the grounds crew. I think that was MLB. Because well, I, isn't it where the the grounds crew has to notify the crew chief uh, of the umpiring crew whether or not it's playable? So um, here, let, let let's delve into that because I was at the game on Sunday. They should have called. The, they should have pulled the tarp sooner. They, they should have pulled the tarp after well, it was the a first torrential sack. pour. Yeah. There, there was that that first sack fly. After that, they should have pulled the tarp out because it was raining hard enough that you could tell players on both sides were being affected by it. You could see Morton slowing down on the mound because he didn't want to pitch because he couldn't grip the ball. It was raining hard enough that he was having trouble physically gripping the ball to mm -hmm. pitch. I mean, one, he didn't want to hit a guy and injure a guy. You know, I think that was probably the, that was probably the foremost thought in his mind. I don't even think he, at that point he probably could have cared less about the score. He was more about I, I might just lose the ball and you know bean somebody and right. you know end their season. And I don't want to do that. The, yeah. the umpires screwed up big time. They should have pulled the tarps after the first sack fly. Um, like th anybody with half a brain reading the radar could see heavy stuff was moving in quickly, and they should have. Like that park drains better than most parks do. I understand it does. that, but that's the outfield. That's not the infield. Yeah. Uh, and um, the the thing is that I I don't think that two hours. 
that's an insanely long rain delay that most parks will not do. The the Sunday night game they called after maybe maybe an hour. So but there's a big difference in that game though. That the Braves Phillies game had playoff implications for both teams, whereas the Sunday night game didn't. And they could see on the radar that it was going to clear up. It wasn't going to affect travel for either team going into the next day because Atlanta was just going to hop on the train and drive and train down to Washington. That's an hour and a half train ride. It's not a long ride. Philly had the day off to travel to Chicago. So it didn't affect anybody's travel plans, really. I'm sure Snicker probably sent the next day starter to Washington immediately just to get there and just get some rest. Um, and Kyle Mueller is pitching very well tonight as the Braves won eight. I'm sorry, not Kyle Mueller. He's pitching tomorrow. Bryce Elder uh, threw very well tonight as the Braves took it eight nothing for the uh, first game. So clearly the two hour rain delay didn't affect the Braves getting into Washington. They did just fine. Mm-hmm. They even had their White House visit today. So it's not like it, it's not like it was going to be a, a, you know, an easy day for Atlanta. Yeah, I. I'm Here's just the thinking the Phillies should have been pushing as hard as they could to get that game called. You know, so it's the Phillies. Here's the thing. The Phillies players screwed themselves. So I was at the game Sunday with our buddy, Matt, uh, from three count Thursday and uh, huddle up as well. Uh, Matt has season tickets for the games uh, for just Sunday, Sunday or is he full season? I can't he remember. He has the Sunday plan. Okay. And uh, great guy. Um, We had a great time, honestly, even though we got rained out left early because we were not going to sit through a two hour rain delay. That was insane. I don't Um, know many fans that would, which is another reason they should have called it there. There was I was surprised how many people were left in the ballpark after the delay. Well, they were playing like the Eagles game and they were playing all sorts of stuff on the big screen to keep people interested. I know that. Um, But here's, you know. You know, we're watching the game and, you know, when it's starting, we're like, uh, I probably need to pull the tarp soon, guys. Guys, we should really be pulling the tarp soon. Uh, what the hell are we doing? Why was the tarp not pulled yet? It, I I don't I, the crew chief. I, I don't know why they delayed, because if they wouldn't have because I saw the infield was really not great because they waited so damn long. I mean, they had to use a ton of. What's that stuff called? Dirt dryer, whatever the the, the drying agent they That's put down. Sand, the yeah, yeah. I can't remember what it's called because I work on a golf course. We don't dry dirt out. We let the dirt stay muddy. <laughs> um, you know, just not what we do. But that's yeah. more reason to call the game. Like I, I don't know what went into the thought process. I know Atlanta yeah. would have raised hell if they weren't allowed a chance to play again. But here's the thing: what me and Matt Jason. We were looking. We were watching Segura and Marsh's at bats. We're like, just strike out. The inning's over. You can definitely call it an official game at that point. Why are you still fighting and grinding these at bats out? Like, what? What was the point of that? Yeah. I, well, I, just, I mean, the, the, the thing is, it would have been an official game anyway. It, it would have, but the players might not have known that. I, I don't know how aware they are of that because that happens so infrequently. Right. That's but, what but we my point is, it shouldn't game. matter. Yeah, but my point is it shouldn't matter if they s- try to strike out or not. It's still an, an official game, whether it's whether right. you get through the rest of the inning or whether you don't. So right. that's right. But it, it's as, a moot point. 
as as I'm as I was saying though, like the points you were bringing up in the group chat, I thought it was pretty cut and dried. But the way you were looking at it, it wasn't quite so cut and dried. Yeah. And you know, we're you know, and we're guys with decent baseball knowledge, and we couldn't come up with a decent consensus. So yeah. I, I can understand the players not as well. That's what I'm yeah. Saying. Right. Um, yeah, because it's it's state. I, I'm trying to see if I can get the verbiage very correct here, and, and you can look it up if you want. Um, but it says 15 outs by the visiting team, and the home team has the uh, has the lead, or 15 outs for, for both teams through five. Which it, it was that and that was kind of getting. Yeah. I have it, Jason. A game is considered a regulation game, also known as a, quote, official game. Once the visiting team has made 15 outs, five innings, and the home team is leading, or once the home team has made 15 outs, regardless of score. Yeah. So it, it's that. Yeah, they could have called it. Yeah, it's that and that I think threw me because it's they it's, have 15 outs, and when they had their 15 outs, the home team did not have – the lead yeah but the home team got it later in the inning so that would have been 15 outs and the home team has the lead so yeah but yeah, i it's it is a moot point um here's the other thing too and i i think i was reading an article i can't remember i can't remember where i read it but you know with san diego losing a tiebreaker because of a game in the midseason. I think we're going to start seeing teams push more and more to say we're not canceling games or post or mm -hmm. we'll postpone, but we're not going to cancel because this might play a fact. Like it used to be a game in the middle of July. Who cares? Just cancel it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Or just end it after five. Nobody cares because it's yeah. not going to matter much in the grand scheme. But with these tiebreakers now, that matters a lot more than it used to. Yeah. Well, I mean, and the thing here for me is, MOB is all about we want to make the game shorter and all this. And they it's our game. They it was it was four hours without the delay. Yeah. So you first, can't tell me that you're trying to a half hour you know, long. You you can't tell me that you're trying to cut down the length of the games and then have a two-hour rain delay. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I was they need to get something more uniform as far as like a limit for rain delays or something. I was fully expecting them to call that game. I, I, I was expecting it to be called and be done. I was not expecting yeah. them to come back out. And then on, you know, we're on the turnpike and I just pulled up the MLB app. I saw it was still listed delay. I was like, wait, I thought they called this. It's delayed still. And then the Braves came back out and showed that, uh, They've got a much stronger bullpen than Philadelphia does. Um, you know, when Philly brought in uh, uh, Jason, what's Bilotti. the name? Yeah, when it, when they brought Bilotti, and I was like, oh wait a second, Jason told me about this guy. We're about to win the game, and they did. Um, I think that's exactly what I tweeted too. Was oh good, the Phillies clearly don't want to win today because they're going to bring Bilotti in for the tenth. And the crazy thing is, or the eleventh, yeah, bad stats. He's really like stat wise, he's not that bad. It's just he's not good in the high pressure situations. That's exactly it. What they should have done, you used Zach Eflin in the tenth. He's yeah, why a didn't former, run him back out. He's a former starter. Let him just take over. Yeah. I was really surprised Eflin didn't come back out in the eleventh. Well, and then the Phillies were 
the Phillies were pushing all in on trying to get those runs quick, which I get. But when you don't convert the runs, you get screwed. They pulled yeah. out Schwarber for a pinch runner. They pulled out Hoskins for a pinch runner um, and made Alec Bone play first base, which I'm sure didn't make you feel very good. No, he's he he would be a first baseman. Like I, I fully expect at some point if they get a different third baseman, they'll like if Hoskins leaves. Excuse me, yeah. they'll they'll snag a third baseman and slide him over to first. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But like, there's you know, like the starter. Well, Real Muto came in. That made, I I was fully expecting Real Muto to be pinch hitting late. He struck out. Um, it, that was, you know, Philly, and I get it. Thompson was trying to get the spark. He was trying to get them going. He didn't want to drag that game out any longer because he knew Atlanta had the better bullpen. So, uh, you know, it it was what it was. Um, um, looking at that game, though, Jason, it was Fan Appreciation Day, um, and they were, you know, doing giveaways all throughout the game. The, absolutely electric atmosphere. That home run Schwarber hit in the first inning that barely kissed the foul pole. So it hit the fence on the section next to us, bounced back to a guy that was one row back, four seats over from where we were. Absolutely. I've never been that close to a major league home run ball in my life. And don't, and that's actually exactly where Matt's seats are going to be next season too. Nice. It's like, you've, you've got to be kidding me right now. And while the Braves were uh, replaying it, I called back to the guy. Yeah, I was wearing my chipper jersey. I called back to the, hey, is there a yellow mark? He turns, here it is. I'm like, shit, we lost that challenge. <laughs> yeah it was honestly great time and i actually ran into some old friends from way back at r donnelly um elwood was there chicky was there so you know great atmosphere even though the you know we didn't get to see the end of it um just a couple other notes sorry i this ran along it sorry joe i didn't mean it to run this long how was the rest Um, of the brave series um, so they took two out of three from the nationals. They won game one, five, two game, two, three to two drop game three, three to two. Um, and then uh, t- just two player notes, Kyle Wright picked up wins 19 and 20th over the last week. First Braves pitcher to win 20 games since Russell Ortiz in 2003. There's a name you don't hear very often anymore. And, um, I, like I said, I think he's probably safe to clinch, but maybe not depending on how the you know teams run starters on short rest for playoff spots. He could be the first Braves pitcher to lead MLB and win since Tom Glavin in 2000, which considering the way Kyle Wright's major league career started and to where he is now phenomenal turnaround. I just love seeing it. Um, also Charlie Morton, even though he blew three freaking leads on Sunday did pick up um, his 200th strikeout of the season, his fourth 200 strikeout campaign of his career. And this is the first time the Braves have had two, two, two starters with 200 plus strikeouts in the modern era, which is just crazy. Um, crazy that they've never done that before now. Um, yeah, the only other note I have, uh, Spencer Strider, they did put him on the IL retroactive to the original oblique injury. He is done for the regular season, but they're saying he should be fine for the postseason. Let's hope so. If the Braves don't take the division and don't have that buy, they're going to need their flamethrowing strikeout artist in that first round against the Padres. All right, uh, Joe, how about the Cubbies, bud? <laughs> well, first off, they should have called the game. Yeah. I honestly... I'm gonna get my two cents in after the last 15 minutes. So to be to be honest, man, I, I was fully expecting them to. I was shocked that they didn't. I, I really was. I I got nothing. I don't know why they didn't call it. Yeah. Um Cubs, uh a 
good week, I think. Two out of three from the from the fish. Uh, they lose game one, 10-3. Game two, they win two to one. Uh, game three, four to three win. Um, the series against the uh, Pirates, they win. Uh, they uh, take three out of four. Three to two, six five wins. Six nothing loss on Saturday and an eight three win on Sunday. Um, the way Miley has pitched this year, it's like, okay, what did the Reds know last year? <laughs> Cause he made two starts this week and was absolutely God awful. <laughs> um, and he's been hurt most of the year. So um, that was, was something of note between the two series. Cause he was just, yeah. Um, seven innings pitch total, 10 hits, 10 runs. Only six of those runs are earned, but still 10 runs. <laughs> um that's so what we're saying is he will players. not be on the hot pitchers list. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That's a lot of unearned runs. Holy crap. Yeah. Um, the other pitching note is, um, well, there's two of them. Uh, Adrian Sampson uh, is pitching himself onto the roster next year in some capacity or to somebody else's roster. Um Two win or almost had two wins at one win and, and one no decision uh this week for him. Uh both quality starts. So um 12 innings pitched uh between the two starts, 12 hits and two runs given up. So he's having himself a heck of a heck of a go here. He has six quality starts this year. He's three and five, 94 innings, 94 and two-thirds innings. And 64 strikeouts this year. Um, so he's having he's getting some productive minutes when he gets his time. Um, and Keegan Thompson is back. Uh five innings pitched this last week. Um, one hit given up, one run, no runs given up, um, and nine strikeouts. So uh, he's back and feeling pretty good. Um Esteban Kuroz is a guy who was brought up last week, made his debut, uh, two, three, two for three in his debut Tuesday against the fish, um, for the week, um, 389, 500, 889, three RBIs, three runs, um, seven hits on the week for him. So, uh, really good week for him. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention, uh, Wesneski, the, so far, we have won that trade with the Yankees. Um, Wesneski went six and a third uh, Thursday night, five hits, two runs, six strikeouts, including an immaculate inning in the fifth. Um, it's their first immaculate inning since Latroy Hawkins in 2004, and it's the sixth immaculate inning in Major League Baseball this year. Bravo. Yeah. Six this year. That's crazy. All right, so uh, moving on to the hot players. Uh, my three for the week, I had Steve Kwan of the Guardians, 438, 471, 759 runs, scored two homers, 10 RBIs, four stolen bases, 14 hits, three, I'm sorry, two triples, two walks, and a strikeout. That's a hell of a line this week. Um, Pete Alonso of the Mets, 333, 407, 875, nine runs, four homers, 13 RBIs, one stolen base, double, three walks, three strikeouts. And I had Brian Reynolds of the Pirates, 500, 593, one, seven runs, three homers, six RBIs, a stolen base, two doubles, three walks, six strikeouts. 
and like look at all the guys we didn't put on because those are freaking incredible lines um jason joe do you guys have anybody else that you're putting on for the regular uh hot hitters list no. all right joe who is the Moneyball player of the week the Moneyball player of the week here uh gliber torres with the yankees um 400, 538, 900, a OPS of 1438, six runs, eight hits, a double, three home runs, eight RBIs, six walks, five strikeouts, and a stolen base. Um, with with all of the focus on Judge the last couple of weeks in particular, um, they've been looking for other guys to you know, produce runs, and, and Gliber was up to the task last week. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great line. Another former Cub. Yeah. Big list of them by now. Uh, hot pitchers for the week. I've got Max Scherzer because you can't not put the guy on who picked up win 200, although he would have been on regardless. 2-0-12 innings, 16 strikeouts, a .75 ERA, a .42 whip, one earned run, four hits, one walk, one home run allowed. Christian Javier of the Astros, 1-0-11 innings, 14 strikeouts, ERA of zero, .55 whip, Two hits, four walks. Clayton Kershaw of the Dodgers, 2-0, 12 innings, 17 strikeouts, 225 ERA, 117 whip, three earned runs, 13 hits, a walk, one home run allowed. Uh, do you guys have any other pitchers to put on for this week? Did you, have, did you have Kyle Bradish from the Orioles? I did not, no. I was trying to limit how many I put on this week because I figured we might run a little long. Okay. Um, I had him, 10 strikeouts, two hits over eight and two-thirds, um, 1-0 for the week for him. Uh, Zach Gallen was eight innings, two hits, one run, 13 strikeouts, and a walk, and he didn't get the win in that game, which is ridiculous. Um, and the, the pitcher who gets the least help from his team, including the last week, Dylan Cease, um, <laughs> 12 innings, eight hits, one run, uh, one hit batter, six walks, eight strikeouts. I, I mean, he, he gives you a shot to win every fifth day. And the fact that they didn't take advantage of that this year is just disgusting. I mean, what else can the dude do? I. It's like every time he pitches, the White Sox offense ceases to exist or something. I don't know, man. Um, Joe, who's the adulting reliever of the week? Um. So we're going to mention uh, one is a sort of an honorable mention. It's for what his team he was able to do for his team this last week. Uh, that would be uh, Emmanuel Clase of the Guardians. Uh, four appearances, three for four in saves, um, did get a win, um, and four innings, five hits, three runs. The the run number is not um, is not obviously very sexy for a reliever, but three strikeouts, one homer, one hit by pitch. Um, a big reason that they clinched the division this week. Uh, so a hat tip to him. Um, the other one I wanted to mention is Jose Alvarado with the Phillies. Um, made three appearances, one for one in save opportunities, three and a third, one hit, a walk, seven strikeouts, a .60 whip, and a 0.91 batting average against. Um your adulting reliever of the week, Scott Barlow from the Kansas City Royals. Three for three uh, in saves, four appearances, four and two-thirds, one hit, no runs, 
one walk, six strikeouts, a .43 whip, and a .067 batting average off of him. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Can't argue with that. Um, yeah, Alvarado, man, I was very happy that the Phillies only had him pitch one inning in that last game because if I'm not mistaken, yeah, he struck out the side and then the game before that he struck out two in an inning in the third. So um, I was very, very, very pleased that he only pitched one inning instead of two. He he needed to only pitch one. Usually if he comes out again, he struggles that second inning. So um, he's a max effort guy. Yeah. With the stain. Okay. Makes sense. I mean, when you throw a, what, 102 mile an hour sinker, I could see that taking a lot out of you. That's understandable. All right, guys. Uh, hot teams for me. I have the Yankees, the Guardians, the Astros, the Braves, the Mets, the Cubs, the Dodgers, and the Padres for this week. Um, anybody to add or remove? No one, Joe. No one, Jade. Wow. No, no complaints. I mean, Houston's 12 and three in the last 15. There's not much to argue with there. Yeah. No, Houston's been absolutely on a roll. No I doubt mean, about it. The, the fact that the Dodgers split with the Diamondbacks is a bit disappointing, but, but well, let's fit. They're quick. They don't care. Still a good week. <laughs> yeah. I think if I'm not mistaken, they tied their uh, franchise record in wins as well. I think I read that. So, uh, yeah, the Dodgers, I mean, at this point, it's all freaking ice cream cake for them the rest of the way out, whatever happens. They don't care. They're done. <laughs> they're just sitting back and waiting to see who they have to deal with in the uh, NLDS round. All right, so uh, this week coming up, the Braves, like I said, three at the Mets, three versus the Mets. Um, pitchers are Elder versus Abbott. Tomorrow is TBD versus Espino. I'm 99% sure that's going to be Kyle Mueller pitching for Atlanta and Odorisi versus Gray. And then in the Mets series, it let them push Freed back for that one. So Freed versus Bassett, Wright versus DeGrom, Morton versus Scherzer. Um, I don't trust Odorisi starting. I don't trust Morton starting. But with Strider hurt, this is what we have. Um, Cubbies, three versus the Phillies, Stroman versus Wheeler, Wisniewski versus Nola, Assad versus Suarez. These are actually really good pitching matchups. It should be a good series, guys. And then the Cubbies end with the Reds, TBD versus Ashcraft, Samson versus Lodolo, Stroman versus Anderson, Phillies end four at the Nationals, Falter versus Corbin, Gibson versus Fetty in doubleheader game one, Syndergaard versus Sanchez, doubleheader game two, and Wheeler versus Abbott. Uh, first of all, I'm not surprised to see Syndergaard's going to have to start again because of the doubleheader. Um, but, Jason, you have to be so happy to see the name Zach Wheeler popping up on that list again because, good yeah. God, you guys have needed him back out there. Yeah, and, and he pitched well his first game back last week. Um, he went four or five innings, gave up three hits. So, And he looked good. The fastball was there, and he felt no pain, which is key. That's huge. So, um Here's hoping that he's that he's healthy and ready to help take this team. I was a little surprised they didn't bump his start back a day and have him start the Brave series against Max Freed. Well, uh, what they're doing is they're setting their rotation up uh, for the final push here and for the playoffs, mm -hmm. assuming they get in. Uh, because the way it sets up is – Wheeler will get a couple starts in, and Nola will actually start game 160. Um, so that will actually line those two up to be your starters for the first two games of the wildcard round. Okay, that makes sense then. Yeah, 100% understandable. 
All right, um, guys, uh, anything else you're watching? I know we mentioned all the other playoff races earlier. I'm going to be, I will be fully focused on Braves Mets this week. That's the biggest series for me. Um, I'm probably, I'll I'll be honest, I'm probably not even going to be watching the other wildcard teams right now because, uh, yeah, this is a big week for us. Um, How about you guys? I'm keeping track of not only the Philly series, but Padres and Brewers series just to see what they do. Um, yeah. I will absolutely be scoreboard watching. Yeah. Well, and I mean, cons- consider this, Jason. Um, if you move up, you're going to either be facing Atlanta or you're going to be facing the Mets. Um, is it almost better to not move up and stay at six? I was thinking about that, especially since the Phils have beaten the Cardinals in the season series. Um but honestly, if they, no matter what, if they make it, I'm not expecting a long run. I would fully be expecting them to lose that first series, being a big road series to start. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I don't think it makes too much of a difference, um, especially if it's against the Braves. Um, if it's the Mets, I would absolutely prefer that they stay in the sixth spot. Um, I just, with how the Mets have completely destroyed them this year i'll be quite all right if they don't have to face the mets yeah and they did that without degrom for the most part which is utterly insane i i've never i i've never seen a team beat up that much on another division team that was above 500 like that 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 was insane um yeah i i was just i'm just curious on your thoughts on that because that actually the phillies actually that does kind of play i mean you don't want to lose games but at the same time it's not the end of the world to maybe lose games and stay down at six and because you're not going to have home field anyway no matter what you, you can't catch yeah. the number one wild card they just so. need, they need to push to just make sure that they're in first yeah um if you see them clinch before the end of the season you may see them uh lose a couple games um just to kind of stay in that sixth spot but they're not, I would at least hope so, but they're not going to be taking games for uh, at advantage right now. So, yeah, they're not going to take them for granted. Yeah, I fully agree with that. Um, Joe, what about you? What are you keeping an eye on? Uh, I mean, I'm going to watch the, the, the series between us, Jason. I'm going to pay attention to that. But other than that, um, you know, does Judge get there here in the next day or two? I, I'm not, honestly, I'm kind of, I'm kind of like George and Seinfeld. I've shifted into football and college basketball mode. So, um, you know, instead of soup mode here, but, uh, you know, I, I will pay attention enough to, to, to know what's going on baseball wise, but it's kind of like, all right, we, we got to 63. I don't have to worry about, you know, um, a hundred losses. And, and um, you know, I, I think, Jason, if I were you, I'd probably want to play the Braves over the Cardinals, but um, assuming the Mets stay in that that spot. But um, I mean, something, something about St. Louis, man. There's there's magic out there in the playoffs. It's no, there's voodoo. It's not St. Magic. St. Louis and the playoffs are always a dangerous time. Yeah, voodoo, not magic. It's all black magic voodoo, baby. Uh, Ronnie, let's be realistic. I think just about everybody hates the Mets. <laughs> 
Although you guys definitely have a, a stronger claim to that than most teams do over most years. Like I said, that the ass kicking the Mets have put on the Phillies this year. It's unprecedented for one team against another 500 plus team. Um, yeah, just, just insane. I, I Yeah. Why fully, don't we keep talking about it, Andrew? I fully do not expect that to happen next year. Although, Although it can't because we have less division games next year, which I still I, I, I'm mixed bag on that too. But anyway, we're not talking about that tonight. All right, guys, you can find all the audio recordings on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Amazon Music, and Spreaker. You can see us live on our YouTube channel, on Facebook Live, and on Twitter. You can find the merchandise at redbubble.com slash people slash ddab-podcast. Follow us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash dollardogsandbeer. On the Twitter page at ddab underscore podcast. All three of us are on Twitter. I'm at PyroLord314, Jason's at jricker 300 and Joe is at JoltonJoe35. We are presented by Dark Arrow Podcast LLC, and we are sponsored by the phenomenal Whiskey and Blade Barbershop in Linnitz. Johnny, you did a hell of a job today, man. I can't wait to see you again in uh, probably three, four weeks. Guys, may your dogs always cost a dollar. May your beer always be cold. Have a great night, and uh, it's going to be one hell of a playoff chase. <laughs>